shout, for we have the victory through our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, by our faith in him, uh, we know how great uh, God's love is towards us uh, who cares for us. And as we think about that, right, that when the song is saying one thing remains, his love uh, never fails. So as we prepare to hear a word from our God, let us meditate on how we have victory through how great his love is towards us. Let us pray. Mighty God, we are grateful for how great is your love towards us. How you love us amazingly, wonderfully. And Father, as we are opening up our hearts and our minds to receive a word from you today, Lord, we pray, speak now. May we have your word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against you and that we might seek Jesus. And that we will walk, Lord, in obedience and submission to your will. Fill us up, O oh God, with your presence right where we are. And we be so mindful to give you all the glory and give you all the honor, for it all belongs to you. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Again, in our text as we're walking through this letter of Galatians written by Paul to the church in Galatia, we find ourselves now in this third chapter of this letter. Paul in this letter to the church in Galatia is calling them to keep the faith and the gospel as they first heard. Paul wants them to know the gospel expresses our salvation under grace and not the law. The grace of God is, is expressed through the Son of God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ, through our faith in Jesus Christ, we are made righteous, not by the works of the law. Paul is trying to point out to them that you can work your way into heaven. The law only exposes our sin, but does not give forth life. And so we continue in this argument here in this third chapter. Uh, we pick up that same subject matter of him pointing out the illustrating that we are saved by our faith in Christ. Uh, but yet what I like now that we're going to talk about again, that we find our identity in our faith in Christ, that we are no longer slaves, but children of God. Anybody here want to say I'm free? <laughs> To be, to be no longer a slave, to be set free. And that's who we are. Let the redeem of the Lord say so, right? We've been purchased, we've been redeemed, we've been bought by a price. Hallelujah. We didn't have to pay that price, but yet we have liberty, we have freedom. And so when we think about why we have liberty, why we have freedom, why we have identity, I'm going to talk about the subject matter today about no God as I buy Father. And here's the, the beautiful th situation that the Lord our God is all powerful. He is mighty. He is the creator of all things. The same God who reveals himself to us through the Son of God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that we might have a better relationship with him and know him as our Father. I want to highlight again that we might have a better relationship. We already have a relationship with him, but we may not use good adjectives with him before we know him. When we did not know him, we might have had a 
bad relationship. <laughs> we might have had some unreconcilable differences. So we might have been known as enemies and not partners. We might have been known as rebellious and, and no good, low down, dirty. But yet by Jesus Christ, God on the cross for our sins, and yet we can call on his name, and all who call on the Lord's name shall be saved. Y'all can talk back if you'd like to. And yet now, because of our faith in him, I'm no longer an enemy. I'm no longer a low-down, dirty dog. I'm no longer a rebellion. I'm no longer against him, but I have a relationship, a better relationship, a new relationship. I'm no longer a slave, but I'm a child. Of God. And since I'm a child of God, I get a privilege of calling him daddy. Isn't that something right there? That I can call him daddy. Think about it. That You can't just walk around the streets and be calling everybody daddy. Watch out somebody. They they be like, I don't know you like that. Right? Because daddy suggests an intimate relationship. Right. We, we have people that talk about all the time that I may have a father, but this is my daddy. Y'all don't hear me. That there's, there's a people out there. Yeah, I, I may be, be biologically able to give birth to you, but I'm not the one who loves you, who raised you and treated you. you. You hear people talk about how they may have a stepdad. They may have a foster dad, but they don't call them foster or stepdad. They say that's my dad. And, and it's funny thing because people try to figure things out, right? Because we live in a world now that you may have a, a dad of a different color and yet a child of a different color. They try to figure out how's that your daddy. You need to figure that out. That's all oh, you need to know that that's my daddy. Y'all don't hear me? People try to figure things out, but understand that it's not the color of the skin that makes him my dad. What makes him is my daddy that when I needed him, he was there for me. When I cried, he's the one that came and picked me up. When I needed to go to school, he's the one that took me there. He's the one who picked me up. When a PTO conference had to be done, it was my daddy that showed up. So knowing God personally is a blessing from God. Think that God loves you with all of your dark secrets, faults, and issues. God loves you before you even knew of your problems. Of your own issues. God loved you before you even knew the stuff you didn't like about yourself. Y'all don't hear me? Because we think we love us, but then we find some stuff we don't like about it. We find, oh, God, you still love me? But here's the the kicker. God loves you even with your dark secrets. The things that you try to keep hidden, God sees and still loves you. God knows how many skeletons you have in your closet, though you forgot you think you only have one, but you know you open that up, it's going to be more than one that falls out. Y'all don't, y'all don't hear me. But God knows everything that you have, but yet when you look at God, God does not look at you in shame. God does not look at you with, with burden and punishment. He looks at you with love and says, you are my child. We serve an awesome God. And so to know that our God loves us and cares for us. One of the many benefits of being a Christian is to be called a child of God. I said one of the many benefits. One of the many benefits. Being called a child of God also entitles us to internal inheritance of the kingdom of God through our faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord. So let us learn to know our identity in God and walk within his love in our life. So Paul in this letter in third chapter, verses 23 to 47, he says, Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law, 
We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the, the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are a children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so what I want to highlight first as we look at this text, it says before the way of faith. Because somebody say before. The way of faith in Christ was available to us. We were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the, the way faith was revealed. And so basically we were in jail, in protective custody, in prison. Now, when I was reading this text, I want to try to illustrate it to us sort of like the game of Monopoly. Anybody ever play the game of Monopoly? And then you play the game Monopoly, right? You want to uh, be able to have property. You want to be able to uh, invest and grow and mature in your uh, property. And what happens is that if you land on go to jail, right, you're okay because you just roll on the dice. So you put yourself in business. I'm just busy. But if you draw a call from the community chest and it says go to jail, but what it says also, that lets you know the car says go to jail, but it says do not pass go, do not collect $200, and you had go. And then while you're in jail, you cannot connect, collect from your property unless you play some different house rules. But the rule is that once you're in jail, bro, you out. That means I can land on your boardwalk and park place monopoly, and I'm not going to have to be bankrupt because you in jail. And so when you are in jail, you lose out on your benefits, you lose out on your privileges, you lose out on your freedom. And so when we're under the law, we had no freedom, we had no liberty, but we were slaves to sin, destined to pay the penalty and the price. And that was all before Christ. Before Christ, we were in prison to sin and under the law. The law does not produce new life. Obeying the law will not make us right with God. Righteousness is given by God, not earned. Righteousness is said by God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Our faith in Christ is, a, is, is lined up with that promise that Paul is talking about here in this text. He talked about the covenant, the promise that God gave to Abraham before Moses, before the law, that my blessing will come through here. And so the blessing that he established with Abraham before the law is still in effect after Christ because Christ fulfills the blessing of Abraham. Tell your neighbor, Jesus is the way. And since Jesus in the way, Paul says in New Living Translation, verse 24, 25 says, let me put it in another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. We, we were not right on our own. Think about it. No matter what we do, we're not right. We need the law to help us to get right, but the law, even that, also shows how we won't get right because we're unable to keep all of the law. You broke one, you broke them all. And so we needed help. We needed a tutor. And think about what a tutor is. In this context here, a tutor or a guardian is, is basically a son of nobility that would be able to mentor a slave until they became of maturity. But what I want to highlight here is that 
But it was the sons of nobility telling the slaves, like, this is how you're going to live. And so they're teaching them the morals. They're teaching them the ethics. They're teaching them how they ought to have basic general behavior in this society. Basically, the law is teaching us how to behave, teaching us morals, teaching us ethics, teaching us how we ought to behave within the, the, the relationship and our confinements and our community and within the church and within the kingdom of God. But yet, as we apply these laws, yet these laws should not become burdensome because it's, it's, the, the Bible shows that it's impossible for us to keep all the law because we're going to mess up. That's why God has implemented the sacrificial service. Every day, there's a burning sacrifice in the tabernacle, in the temple, because the people are going to mess up. And so they always got to bring forth a sacrifice in order for them to get right. But that's just today. They're going to do the same thing tomorrow. The priest going to get on up and make a sacrifice. Like, God, I know they're messing up out there. So here you go. Here goes the sacrifice. Here goes the blood. Hoping they're going to feel all right. But yet, here comes the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sins of the world so that we might be saved. He died once, y'all, and that was good enough. And so yet, before Christ, we were under the law. We were under a tutor. But when the right time came, when Christ came, the faith, and that means our maturity came. We're no longer slaves or no longer children, but we become mature enough that we know we should be able to walk in obedience of the Spirit. And so when Paul shows that we are children of God, Paul the scripture shows us that we are no longer slaves. We're no longer under subjection of somebody else's authority, but now we're operating under grace because of our faith in Jesus. And so verse 28 in chapter 3 says, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. When it emphasizes that it's pointing out that we should stop being segregated, we should stop treating other people as they less than when we're all one. We are all one in the body of Christ. It's a sad state that we are still operating in times and places that we don't like somebody because of the ethnicity, because of their accent, or because where they live, or because of whatever it may be. When Paul is pointing out to them that within the church, there should be no Jew, there should be no Greek or Gentile, there should be no slave, there should be no free, there should be no male, there should be no female, but there all should be one. Basically saying, I should love you as I love myself. I will do unto you as I will want to be done unto me. But here's the beautiful thing, that I ought to treat you as Christ has caused me to treat you. And so when we are serving one another, building up one another, living with one another, this is a challenge for us to care for one another. So now, if I know who I am, I know my identity, I know I'm no longer a slave, but I'm a child of God. And since I'm a child of God, I have benefits, I have privileges by being part of the family. Uh, when, I, when I'm a part of a family, I get benefits that other people don't get part of the family. Families have traditions. Families do different things when you're part of the family. You, 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 you join somebody else's family right away. You don't know everything. They teach you about what's part of the family. What's our traditions? What do we do? How do we celebrate? And that's oftentimes that when we see it definitely when people pass away, we find out who's really part of the family. 
Because people that you did not know would show up, try to claim stuff they have no right to. Gonna say, my uncle will want me to have this. Grandma knew I love this. She wants me to have this. There's been times people fight more in a time of a funeral because of fighting over what the loved one left behind. But yet when we understand our God that he does not leave a spot, he says, what I have is yours. And so he has already bequeathed our blessings on us now, and there's more blessings to come. But in this time, right, that's why we got to write our weeds. If you don't do it, you might want to get you a living with it. But make sure there ain't going to be no fight when I'm gone. Junebug getting this, baby getting this, y'all just let, let it out. So when they come down on that read, here goes the reader. They don't walk away mad, but it's already been passed out and divided out. And so here's the situation that our God, that he's already let us know that I want you to be my children. By being my children, you're going to be co-heirs with me and benefit from this kingdom. Look what it says as Paul writes in Galatians 4th chapter. Look at verses 1 through 4 first. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better than off than the slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. And so notice again that the time was right for us. Before the time was right, we had to wait to be mature. And many of us, if you don't have a will or insurance and those kind of things for your children, if you do, if you do have them, then you know what I'm talking about because I'll let you know a maturity rate. At the age of 18, they have access. That they can claim whatever may be benefits from this insurance policy. Or if you put a, a CD or a trust fund at the age of adult, you can set the age you want it to be. You can have it at 18, 21, 25 and say, oh, when I die, they can have it. You can set it up of when it is. So God has set up the time for us to be mature in him. And that time was when he sent Christ on the cross. And so when Christ died on the cross, that was the time that we were able to come and grow up in maturity and better know him than we ever known him before. That's why he goes on and said he sends us the spirit of adoption that will call us and move us to call him Abba, Father. So to know God, though, is to know Jesus. To know God as our Father is to know Jesus as God the Son. And to know Jesus, the God, the Son, and know how Jesus, God, the Son, loved God, the Father, we too need to love God, the Father. And to know Jesus and to love him as God, the Son, who loves God, the Father, then as we love God, the Father, we too will serve God, the Father, just as Jesus served God, the Father. So we are disciples of Christ, followers of Christ, and we are to follow Christ all the way to the cross. That's what he said, that you are not worthy to be my disciples unless you are willing to pick up your cross and Follow after me. That means I got to be dead to myself, no longer living for myself. Isn't that what Paul said here in Galatians 2? It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me, who died for me. 
Oh, hallelujah. So when I'm no longer living for me, but living for him and for the spirit that he's put inside me, guiding me, directing me and helping me to mature and grow to do better day by day. Because so, today may be a better day than yesterday, but hopefully tomorrow will be even a better day as I grow and mature in his spirit. But yet, if I'm not walking as a child of God, uh, I'm walking like somebody else's child. John 8 chapter, verse 42 to 44. Listen uh, of the words of Jesus. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so when we understand if I'm not following God the father, I'm following the devil. The father of lies. And why he's the father of lies? Because the truth is not in him. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God is always consistent. So I got to be careful that I'm not rejecting God to make the devil my father. It is sinful to love these evil things and to do these evil things the devil does. The devil hates the truth because the truth will set you free. And so light in Christ is freedom of the devil, the father of lies. That's why it should be hard for us to tell lies. It should be hard for us to tell even a white lie because that's a sign of the devil. We ought to be women and men of integrity and character that we're able to speak the truth. That's why we ought to let our yes be yes and our no be no. And so when we are children of God, look what it says that we are children of God. Verse 4, but when the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman subject to the law. What is about to change in this text again, remember we last Sunday we talked about the conjunction, but means uh, uh, this, it means not this, but that, the, the opposite coming from before. So before it's talking about again that we were slaves and needed to be under a tutor, needed to be under subjection uh, until the age uh, of maturity, but God. At the right time, when God sent his son, verse 5 says, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. God sent his son. There's something special about sending him. We get the word apostles, which means to be sent. They are sent out with purpose and authority to proclaim the word of Christ. The apostle age or the apostles, the direct descendants to receive authority from Christ on high to go out and baptize and make disciples. And so we get that something sent. And here it is that God sent himself. To give us a message of revelation and clarity of who he is so that we might know him. 
descending form of God, the Father, sending the Son, followed by the Holy Spirit, is expressed here in Paul's writing to the church in Galatia. This sin formula is also expressed in Jesus telling Nicodemus that God so loved the world he sent his son. So here we see Paul telling how God sent the God, the son, to redeem. Jesus was sent to buy our freedom. Jesus was sent to change our status from slave to son, to children. Jesus was sent to change us and elevate us and redeem us and restore us and right relationship with God. Children of God, the Father, also receive the Holy Spirit. So now we got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. And because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. God sent his Holy Spirit to his children. The Holy Spirit allows us to experience the relationship the Son had with the Father in having wisdom. I want to highlight here that Jesus gave us the Spirit by dying on the cross for our sins. But you remember when we go through the Passion text and we read through how it says that he gave up the Spirit. And a loud shout, something suggests loud shout as another gospel has it says that, and Father, I, I give my hands to you, right? I submit my spirit. But before he says it, it says, my God, my God, why have God forsaken me? See, we received a spirit of adoption while he was cursed with rejection. We know acceptance because he knows rejection. Death and hell is absent of God. And so the absent of God is to be in dark and to be hell and to be punishment and to shame. But yet God desires for us to be in his presence. And we are connected by our faith in Jesus who took our shame, who took our pain, who took our guilt, who took our punishment. He took our death so that we might have life and life more abundantly. And so to think about how he says, my God, my God, how, why have I forsaken me? And now we can quote the Psalm of David that I've been young, but I've been old. But I've never seen your seed forsaken or your seed begging for bread. Only reason why we are able to say that is because Christ took our rejection. For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Christ Jesus. And so that I have a new life, I have a new identity, knowing God as our Father. And here's a beautiful thing, because I'm no longer a slave, in God I become royalty. Y'all don't hear me? Uh, Since I become royalty, because I get to hang out with my brother. My brother is the king of kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He is the host of hosts. I, I like how they talk about his coming, how he is a prince of peace. <laughs> and, and, and so when I think about how I can hang out with my brother, he's the coolest kid in town. That he just says stuff and things just change. Things change because of his power and his might. And because I get to hang out with my brother, my brother reminds me of some things. He says, uh, you got it easy now because I had to suffer. 
But yet, you don't have to suffer as much I have to suffer, but you're going to have to go through some things. If you want to reign with me, you might have to know some pain with me. Uh, they, they might reject you because you call my name. They, they, they may talk about you because you want to do what's right and not try to hustle and steal. They might be upset with you because you might be an, a whistleblower because you observe ethics and you don't want to see somebody be mistreated. So they want to talk about you because you want to stand up for what is right. They want to talk down upon you because you want to love people that don't look like you. And they want to call you different names because you can get along with people that are hard to get along with. But when we're walking in the spirit of God, we understand that I'm not here to judge. I'm here to love. And love has no condition. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male nor female. I'm here to love and love you as God has called me to love. When you understand the law, right, then I'm walking out the law, but I'm operating under grace because the law will condemn me, but grace redeems me. So under his grace, I understand that there's no greater love than this, than a man that lays life down for another. And when Christ says that we have obeyed these laws, love the Lord your God with all your might, with all your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. He's basically making sure that you understand, hear, hear you, the Lord God is one. And so you should love him. So you love God first. And here's the beautiful thing. I, as I learn to love God, I learn to love me. And when I love me, I love me with all my defenses. I, 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 I may not be as good as I want to be, but I still love you. Here's, here's a hardship that many of us are suffering with in our lives. The people out there, they don't love themselves. And so therefore they are being abused by other people because they're looking for love in the wrong places. I, I, I'm hanging around with this crew because they don't look out for me, but I feel loved and they call it family. Many of our Association that people get into, they get into crime to, in, uh, together. They get in trouble together, and they call them family. But yet, as we understand, God is saying what family should do is what's good, not what's bad. And so when we understand that family will look out for your benefit, then they're going to be there for you. Because think about how uh, the, the mafia movies, right, they call it the family. But yet, when you go to jail, you're no longer family. You dead to me. But yet, in God's family, we are always family. And here's a beautiful thing. He understands repentance and reconciliation so we can come to him saying, Lord, I know I messed up. And God is letting you know, I know you messed up. <laughs> That's why I sent my son to die for you. Not for you to stay away from me, but for you to come to me because I am your daddy. So call on your father. It's a beautiful thing to know that you can always go back home. That's why Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son. That you can know you can always go back home. Our God loves us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so we understand that how great his love is towards us. May we forever turn to him and say, I love you, Daddy. And as I love you, Daddy, I'm going to love myself with all my issues. With all my troubles, with all my problems, means I won't give up on me because you have not given up on me. So I want to walk in your grace, walk in your mercy, walk in your forgiveness. I'm going to walk in your love. When it's times that I can't even lift my head up, I'm going to remind myself that I am loved by you. 
And your love never fails. Your love never gives up. Verse 7. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. So walk with the hope of knowing that over in glory, you're going to receive all that he has for you. Walk with knowing while you're here on earth, he has not abandoned you, but he has sent you his spirit that you might know him as your father. And so I encourage you to know God is to love him and to love him is to love yourself. And to love yourself is that you know how to love one another as God is loving you. That means you know how to forgive others because God can forgive you. You know how to be patient with others because God can be patient with you. You know how to not take it personally because you know he does did some personal things to God. And yet he still blesses us, cares for us, and provides for us. Because we're no longer a slave, but we are a child of God. And we know him as Abba, as Father. Let us pray. God, we just thank you. How great is your love towards us. God, we thank you that we know you as Father. We know you as Dad. So bless us in this in this time that those things that have hindered us, those things that have stopped us, those things that have been obstacles in our lives, that you continue to reveal them to us, that we can remove them, Almighty God. And may your spirit remind us, renew us, refresh us, and restore us as we continue to walk in according to your will and your spirit. And Lord, there might be someone who does not know you, God. We pray that all who call on the name of the Lord, that they call out to you and say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you as Father. I want to know your Son. Lord, I pray that they can call out to you and confess that Jesus Christ is a perfect Lord and Savior. And Lord, we pray that you will help them identify a Bible-believing, preaching, teaching church to help disciple them and grow them and mature them to continue to walk in you, grow in your spirit and in your wisdom and continue to learn more about you and how great is your love towards us. We love you, Almighty God. We bless you. We magnify your holy name. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us uh, on our worship. Continue to stay connected through us through the website, on Facebook, and YouTube. God bless you and keep you until we meet again. Jesus loves you, and so do I.